Well, um, if you've got your Bibles, which I hope you do because you're in church, uh, turn to Acts 20. Acts chapter 20. Um, Let's just read the text and then uh, we'll dive in. Starting in verse 22, Acts 20, we're going to start in verse 22. And now compelled by the Holy Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for your word. Father, and I understand without your Holy Spirit directly intervening this morning, I have zero ability to relay spiritual truth. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would invade this place, it would permeate the air, and that every man, woman, boy, and girl in here would hear from you directly as a result of the text being proclaimed. God, help us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul had no political agendas. Paul used to be a political, religious elite. Paul had, had no political agendas. He, he says here that he considers his life worth nothing. And he wants to finish one task. To testify to the good news of God's grace. Oh, that this would be the testimony of Christians in 2023. We're living in a generation that is hostile towards the things of Jesus. It's hostile towards the things of the gospel. And I think that's honestly why most Christians don't want to stand up and openly talk about the things of Jesus in their workplace, at at the public arenas. They don't want to talk about the things of Jesus because... Um, we're afraid of the repercussions. We're worried about the repercussions. I have many dear fellow pastors who will attempt to preach the gospel on the streets and they've been assaulted and mocked and arrested and, 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 and just accosted and totally marginalized by those that they try that are they are trying to help them understand that they are in danger of God's wrath and yet the people that are in danger of God's wrath mock those who are trying to just simply say listen God's coming to exact wrath there's a way out here's your way out and they mock that but as you read through this text in the, in the book of Acts, you'll find that this, this is what happens to, to, to Paul. We see that this happens often to Paul. Paul's coming to say, listen, Christ changed my life. I was the guy that was actively trying to kill Christians, and now I am one of them. And here's how you can become one too. And 
he is constantly mocked. He is constantly beat up. He is constantly put in a position of um, persecution. Those who stand by the truth of God's word are hamstrung by the forces of evil in this world. But nevertheless, this is our calling. Now, not all of us are called to be preachers, but we are all called to make disciples. And that means one-on-one conversations. That means sitting down over coffee, telling a friend, a family member about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Telling them how Jesus got a hold of you, how Jesus turned you in from one guy to a new guy, from one gal to a new gal. This is one of the first things I ask people who say they belong to Jesus is, how did Jesus get a hold of you? How did Christ get a hold of you? If somebody says, oh, I'm a Christian, you say, oh, great, how did that happen? Tell me how Christ got a hold of you. And if they can't give me a clear answer, then I change my approach to presenting the gospel to them because they desperately need it. As we talked about in Sunday school, there are people who claim to know Christ, who who have an appearance of godliness, but they deny the power of godliness because they are pursuing the God of this world. We're called to make disciples. But that's not always going to be easy. So Paul has a Holy Spirit compulsion to share Jesus, but he has no clue what that means for him other than the Holy Spirit has told him, listen, there's going to be hardships for you. So I don't want to, what we do often in the church is we, we present people on the platform that have these amazing testimonies of how God allows them to share the gospel and everything goes right and we're like, this should happen for you. Maybe, but not always. A lot of times there's going to be hardships. A lot of times people are going to mock you. A lot of times people are going to smear your name, maybe even publicly. So let me be clear, those who follow Jesus will at some point have hard things come into their life. And what we have to do is we have to consider our own lives worth nothing in comparison to the job of proclaiming the good news of Christ. And then we must complete the task that the Lord has set before us. And listen, every one of us have a different little bit, we all have a little bit different task. Amen? Like, some of you are in office settings, some of you in school settings, some of you are in doctor's offices, some of you are in different places. You go to to the cattle sales, you go to different places like that. Those are all different arenas that we're in. But nevertheless... We have a calling to complete. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 tells us, For we are His workmanship. This is those that are in Christ. If you're in Christ, this is what you're called to do. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which Christ prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're called to walk in the path that God has created for us to walk. And that's not always going to be an easy path. Not in this life. 
The enemy's constantly advancing, trying to figure out ways to, to make your life a living hell. That's the goal of the enemy. That, that's, that's it. Um, I, I love that uh, talking with people about Jesus can sometimes be difficult. I know that. And I think it's interesting. Uh, Josh said last night, and I'm quoting him from last night. He said, listen, non-Christians, the enemy, and, and those that are non-Christians, constantly tell Christians, hey, you can't legislate your morality. You can't tell us how to live our lives. All the while, they're running headlong to legislate their morality. We'd better wake up to the reality that we had better be advancing the kingdom that we're supposed to be advancing of Christ in the culture that we live in because the enemy's doing the exact same thing. He's advancing his agenda. And let me tell you, as Josh said last night, we are built by God to conquer. Amen? Like, that should get us excited. Like, we as Christians have the authority from the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, to go and conquer the places we're in. And, and when we take the approach that Paul does here, we stop caring about what other people think. Oh my goodness, I think this is, in my humble opinion, this is the biggest problem in the, the American Christian church today. We are too stinking worried about what people are going to think about us. They might say something about me on social media. They might slap my name in the, in the newspaper. Okay. We, we think too highly of ourselves. We think too much about what other people are going to think or say about us as an individual. And listen... They might slander your name. They might mischaracterize some of the things you say. Of course they will. The enemy is, is constantly looking for ways to mischaracterize the followers of Christ. But we, we, would do, we would just simply take, if we would just simply take death to our wants, take death to the idea of everything that we want to accomplish, the end goal would look different. Everything would change if we would just stop caring what people thought about us. If we genuinely really just say, okay, I don't care what people think about my Christian faith anymore. I don't care if people think that I am a backwoods, crazy fundamentalist. I am a little bit of a fundamentalist. I believe the fundamentals of the faith. That we, that once again, that word's been hijacked in 2023 by crazy people. But to say that you're a fundamentalist is not a bad terminology. Having the word fundamental, you believe the fundamentals of the faith. That's what a fundamentalist is. I know that that's been hijacked by crazy people. Just like a lot of words in 2023 have been hijacked by crazy people. I'm trying to take these things back. Am I a fundamentalist? Yes, I believe the fundamentals of the faith. I believe the Bible. I believe that God's word has the final authority for our lives. That's it. That, that's it. We, we have to put away, we have to put away the value that we place 
on how we're perceived by other people. Paul says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Now, I need you all to understand something. Paul lost a lot. Paul had a lot riding on his life. That brother had wealth. He had access to political powers. He got access to the high priest. That's not something you could just walk into that day. You couldn't just, like, you and I couldn't just walk in and be like, hey, I'm going to go say hi to the high priest today. You couldn't just walk in and say hi to the high priest. That was a big deal. That's like saying, I'm just going to go walk in and say hi to the governor. I'm just going to walk in the governor's office and just say, hey, what's up? What's up, Gov? That's not happening. And you couldn't walk to the Capitol today and just be like, I'm walking in. And just, you couldn't do that. There'd be guards. No, 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 stop. Paul had access to the elite governing religious system of the day. And he had a lot on the line. But when Christ interacted with him, when Christ when he encountered Christ, all that changed. And he changed his tune from, man, I want all the power. I want all the position. I want all the money. I want all the stuff to what? I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only goal, my only aim is to finish the race and to complete the task that the Lord Jesus Christ has given me. And the task to testify of the good news of God's grace. He wants to finish the race strong. That's what every Christian should have the desire to do. Finish the race strong. We got a lot of people that start strong. They, they run the aisles. They pray the prayers. But then there's nothing afterwards. I, it doesn't matter. Listen, if we're in a marathon and I, and I get down on my starting line, the gun goes off and I'm, yeah, come on. I'm running fast and I'm sprinting hard and I'm doing all the racing and I'm sweating. But I, a mile and a half into a marathon, I'm like, how, how much is a marathon? How far is a marathon? 26.2 miles, and I'm running in the, third, the second mile, and I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. Listen, the Christian life, Jesus said in John, count the cost of what you're about to do in John. John chapter 6, you better count the costs. Paul says, I just want to finish strong. I want to finish this. I don't want to be a guy that's known as starting strong. I want to finish this race strong and complete the task that God's given to me. And what is that task? To testify of the good news of God's grace. He echoes this again in Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 24. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And if I live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet... Which shall I choose? I cannot tell you. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is depart to, to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. So Paul has one goal. He's like, I, want, I don't want to finish this thing out strong, and I want to get to Jesus. That's all I want. I want to get to Christ and get to Christ alone. That's what I want. I love Jesus supremely above this present world. And as I read through the book of Acts, I so badly want to be like Paul. Man, I so badly want to be like Paul. The world would 
be nothing, that, that the world would be nothing to me. And that Christ would be everything. That I would just be like, you know what, I, I don't care. I'll lose my reputation. I'll lose my money. I'll lose my positions. I'll, whatever. As long as Christ is made preeminent. As long as Christ is talked about above it. Listen, it doesn't matter about Caleb Gordon. What does it matter about? It matters that Jesus is coming out of Caleb's mouth. And this is what Paul wants us to do. 1 Corinthians 10, 33. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they might be saved. So Paul says, it's not, I'm not trying to advance Paul's agenda. I don't try to please... Listen, I... I just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantages. I'm not trying to figure out how to advance Paul's advantages, but rather of the many that they may be saved. And then 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. We should be doing what we do to see men and women saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're to imitate Paul as Paul imitates Christ. And listen, I imitate crummy. Anybody else in the room? I imitate crummy. I'm, I'm watching Paul watch Jesus and I'm like, okay, I'm going to try. Can't. I'm going to fumble. It's all over the place. It's like watching, like, like watching Marjorie play the piano. All right, Caleb, imitate me as I am, as, as whoever her teacher was. I'm imitating my teacher who taught me. Now you imitate me. a mess. I, I don't know how to play a piano. Colin could be, Colin's better at it than I am. This is what we're called to do. is to imitate Christ. That's, the, that's over and over again the scriptures tell us imitate Christ, imitate Christ, imitate Christ. How do we imitate Christ? By knowing what he's thinking. By soaking up the word of God. We're called to complete one task in this life as followers of Christ, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Man, if, when's the last time you testified to God's grace in your own personal life? Well, I don't know. I can't remember. Well, it's, that's too long, pilgrim. So what are you supposed to do as a Christ follower? Testify about what God's good news has done in your life. You're to tell those people that you work with. You're to tell those people you go to school with. You're to tell those people that you interact with that Christ has changed me. Man, I was a wicked, vile rascal. But man, Christ changed my heart, changed me from the inside out. Why? Because we as Christ followers are in a debt. We have a debt. We owe this to Jesus. We owe Christ everything. It's not the other way around. Christ doesn't owe us a single red cent. 
Romans 1.14, Paul again writes, I am obligated both to the Greeks and to the non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish. The Amplified Version says, I have a duty to perform and a debt to pay. I have a duty to perform and a debt to pay. Listen, we have been called by God to do something. And sitting and consuming is not the thing that we've been called to do. This is the problem in the American church. We have the herd mentality in the room. Where... I don't want to do that. I don't want to get up and say anything. I don't want to be in charge of that. Hey, I got an idea. Let's hire the guy to be the pastor. I'm not, I'm not saying pastors are bad things. I think there's a biblical place for, for pastors. But what I'm saying is that what we can tend to do is we can try to pawn off our spiritual duty onto guys like me. Listen, I can't do your spiritual work and vice versa. You can't do mine. You just can't. We've been called by God to do something, and sitting and consuming is not the calling. The calling is to share, to testify of the gospel in the places where you are. Once again, I didn't say you got to be a preacher. You can have a conversation with a friend and just say, "Hey, what do you? How do you know? Do you know how to get to heaven?" Uh, no. Or they may give you some half-cocked answer. I don't know. We were at one time over in, in Pahuska at the P-Town Pizza. And then we went downstairs to get the, the ice cream there. And the guy's behind the counter. And I'm with a buddy of mine. And he's like, hey, I got a question for you. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. He goes, do you know how to get to heaven? And the guy goes, uh, 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 what? He goes, do you know how to get to heaven? He goes, well, I, that's, what kind of question is that? He goes, well, the Lord Jesus Christ gives us the answer. He says, if you believe in me. Jesus says, all who call on my name will be saved. All who repent of their sins and trust the good news of who Jesus is and what Jesus did will be saved. And then he starts to unpack that to the guys behind the cat. And it took him less than three minutes. I think the reason we don't do what we need to do from the evangelistic standpoint is because we don't know what to do. And we're terrified we're going to fumble. You probably will, I'll be honest. But that's okay. Be obedient. Be willing to be like, okay, I'm just going to open my mouth and say, hey, listen, here's how you get to heaven. Trust Christ. Be washed in His blood. Have you been to Jesus for that cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Just sing the song to them. They'll just look at you weird. (laughs) Right? What I would like to do is to challenge some of you in this room to take these scriptures and to go this next week and find five houses. Five houses. And take time just to say, Hi, my name is... Whatever your name is. I'd like to invite you to worship with us on Sunday morning. We meet at 11 o'clock. Here's some information. Give you, Listen, if I need to print you out some stuff to say, I can do it. If you need some Bible verses, I can do it. I can get them for you. Quickly. We have a, 
We have a time of fellowship. We have a time of studying God's word. We sing together. We eat a lot. Amen. Amen, PJ. We eat, we eat a lot. But I'd like to have you come join us. Nothing difficult, nothing fancy. It doesn't have to be like, hello, I've got my theological degree and let me tell you all about the hermeneutics of the Bible. That's not what we're trying to tell you to do. What we're saying is, listen, hey, what are you doing next Sunday? I don't know. Hey, why don't you come with me to church? Okay, cool. Most of the time, people will come if you just ask. And don't ask like Monday. Go over to the house Saturday night. Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? Nothing. Hey, why don't you go with me to church in the morning? Maybe. You'll get the uh, maybes. And sometimes they won't show up. But man, you be obedient to just start there. Nothing fancy. Hey, my name is Caleb and I'm a member at First Baptist Church of Cedarville and I'd like to have you come with me. And listen, we've got some John and Romans Bibles downstairs that have the plan of salvation. Just hand those out. On the back of it, it's got our whole list of what we do. Pretty awesome. Nothing fancy. Love to see you at church with me next Sunday. Amen. What would it look like if every one of us in the room brought one friend? The pews would be fuller. We'd end up over here. There'd be people on this side. I know that might freak some of us out, but there might be people over on this side next Sunday. And there might be people down here. That's okay. I, listen, there's enough barrier. There's a spit barrier. You won't get anything on you. It might be something out of your comfort zone, but man, that's what God's called us to do is to get out of our comfort zones. I'm telling you, this is what we're called to do. We need to be willing to take a stand in the places where we are. What we got? Almost 600 people live in town? What if we had 300 of them in the room? I'm telling you, you consistently have stuff like that, that's where we begin to see the, the community transformed. We move from a spiritual, a, a, a spiritual oppression and we become spiritually set free by the power of the Holy Ghost. We need to be willing to talk to more people about who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives. Amen? Like that's the calling. That's the calling for us to to step out of our comfort zones and do what God's called us to do. Now, I can't, I'm not going to promise you and say, hey, everything's going to go awesome. According to the scriptures, the Holy Spirit told Paul, listen, you're going to have hardships face you. You might have some hardships. You might get made fun of by the people. If you go to their heart, you go, hello, my name's Tyler. I'd like to invite you to come to be a part of First Baptist Church. You're an idiot. Maybe. Maybe. But you never know unless you step out in faith to do something that is difficult, something that's a little bit different, something that's a little bit outside of the norm. God's called us to do these things. I want to finish this. Like, I want to finish strong. I don't want to finish weak. I don't want to be the guy that's just sort of kind of like, I guess I'll get across the finish line here in a second. Like when I see the finish line, for those of us that are closer to the finish line than some of us else in the room, 
Like, I want to go hard when I see the finish line. I don't want, that's, that's not the time to retire. Well, there's no such thing as retirement in God's word. You know what the retirement package is? Die. That's your retirement package. And then you rest. You run hard. Paul says, I want to go. Homer comes and gets me. One of the two. I want to finish the race strong. And I want to complete the task that Jesus has given me to do. And that task is to testify of the good news of God's grace. Oh, let me tell you about how good God's grace is in my life. God took me from a wretched, wicked, vile, nasty sinner. And he transformed and he forgave me. And man, heaven's my home. I'm forgiven. I get to spend eternity in God's presence. I get to be in heaven for all eternity. There will be no suffering. There will be no condemnation. Let me tell you how amazing God's grace is. But what are we doing, most of us? Well, tell you about this in Jesus. Well, I'll go to that church up on the front corner of First Baptist Church. Yeah, let me tell you about it. Man, we should be the most excited, the most enraptured folks on the planet. Listen, I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I will not be silenced. I will not be hammered back. I will press on. My my banner is absolutely 100% clear that Jesus saves. Amen? That should be our calling. To finish this thing strong. Man, what it would it look like if we just went that hard till the day we crossed the finish line? And the moment you cross the finish line, man, I can, like I said last night, I've never known anybody who at the end of this thing says, man, I read this thing way too much. Man, I read this Bible way too much. This thing is, dude, I just I spent way too much time in this thing. I prayed way too much. I cared about people's souls too much. Man. I spent too much time at church. That's what I did. I've never known anybody on their deathbed saying that. Quite to the contrary, I know people who have gone, man, I wish I'd spent more time in God's Word. I wish I'd spent more time at church. I wish I'd prayed more. I wish I'd spent more time with the saints. I wish I'd done more for God. Listen, you still got time. You still got time. Don't give up. Press hard now. Even if it's difficult, even if you're mocked, even if you're ridiculed, keep going. Keep getting up. Don't lose heart. The world belongs to Jesus. And you're his kids. And we win in the end. Amen?